All right. Well, good morning, everyone. So glad you guys are here with us. If you're a guest with us, thank you for joining us today. If you're online, thanks for uh, sitting on your couch and watching us and put your phone down, what you're doing, and pay attention. Or actually, I need you to take your phone out. Everybody needs to take their phone out. And you need to go um, onto our, our app, or you can use the camera on your phone, and you can scan this QR code right behind me, and you can follow along with today's message. Um, that would be awesome to be able to do that. Uh, my name is Clayton, and I'm the senior pastor here. And some of y'all don't know me very well, but I am super competitive. So I'll be your best friend until we start competing at something. And then, like, I mean, just forget about it, right? I mean, it's, uh, it's every man for himself. I, mean, I remember growing up and um, always loved to compete and do different things. And, and uh, about, I don't know, when I was younger, about my early 20s, I decided, well, actually, I was watching, I think, too many um, uh, of the, the Iron Man um, competitions on TV, and I was like, you know what, I want to do that. I think I can do that. And so I went and, and bought like a little cheap road bike, and I said, I'm going to enter a race. And not like a triathlon, but I was just going to do the bike race, because everyone knows how to ride a bike, and so it's like, it's cool, whatever. I didn't even train or anything, and I signed up for this, this race, and it was 10 miles, and uh, it started out in a parking lot, and it went all the way down to a lake, and then turned around and came back in the same path. And, man, I showed up that day, and I was all ready to go, and I had the, the number on my, on my shirt. And we, there's hundreds of people in, in this race, and we're, we're going. We take off, and, man, I'm just pedaling as fast as I could. And, man, I started passing people, guys. I mean, it was awesome. I started passing a bunch of people, and we, for, you know, first mile, I felt great. Second mile, third mile, fourth mile, I, fe- I felt just, I mean, better than I ever felt before, man. It was, I was killing it. We get to mile five where we had to turn around, and I, I realized I was, like, in the top ten, guys. I mean, this was a big deal for me, okay? So I was like, man, this is going to be awesome. And so I, I go, and, and I make that big turn to go back the other way, and, man, I just got hit. Like a wall of wind just poof, just hit me. And I realized I had been going downhill with like a 20-mile-an-hour wind the entire time. And it was awesome. Man, I was just killing it. Like it couldn't get any better for me. And I realized, man, I, I am in big, big trouble. And so the rest of the race I don't want to talk about because it went really, really bad for me. But it happens in life sometimes, doesn't it? Like we're going one direction and everybody's going that direction and it seems easy and it's awesome and in fact, we want to continue going that direction. But sometimes God calls us to turn around. And when we turn around and go the other way, sometimes we get hit. It's like a wall that hits us. Sometimes it's persecution. Sometimes it's a challenge. Sometimes it's adversity. What we call it is going against the grain. In fact, the Bible talks about it all the time. And in fact, as Christians, we are called to go against the grain. Romans 12, 2 says that we are to not be conformed to this world. But instead, we're supposed to be transformed by the renewal of our minds, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. It says that we're not to conform to this world. And today, what we're going to do is we're going to look at, in the Old Testament, we're going to look at this, this young guy. And he became king. And he wasn't willing to go the same way that everyone else was doing. He decided to turn and not conform with the ways of this world. So turn your Bibles to 2 Chronicles chapter 33. Uh, we'll be in 33 and 34. And we're in the middle of this series called Kings of Old. And if I was to back up a little bit and kind of just give you a recap of what we've been what we're talking about, uh, a couple weeks ago when we were last talking about this, we talked about this guy named Hezekiah. And Hezekiah was 
was uh, one of the kings of Judah, so the southern kingdom of Israel. Israel, the northern kingdom. Judah was a southern kingdom. They had split. It went bad. Almost every king, either in the north or the south, was bad. But, but Hezekiah was a good king. He's one of the very few good kings. And the Bible says he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And he did some amazing things. Um, and when he passed away, his son took over when he was 12 years old. And he reigned for 55 years. And his son name, son's name was Manasseh. And Manasseh, I don't know if he was rebellious. Some of y'all may be like rebellious teenagers. Some of y'all may, when you were, as you were growing up, you, uh, you were rebellious yourself. But it was, didn't matter what your parents said or what you're supposed to do, you were going to do the opposite, right? I mean, it's just, that's just what you were going to do. And that's what Manasseh did. Man, he took all of the things that, that his dad had done well. His dad had, had, had taken down all these altars to these false gods and, 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 and turned uh, the nation back to God. And Manasseh said, no, we're going back this way. And so he brought out all of these idols. And he brought um, out all of these altars. And he rebuilt all the evil that was, uh, was in the nation of Judah. He even brought back the, the time-honored tradition in their family of killing and sacrificing their own kids to these false gods. I mean, this was a bad guy. He reversed everything his dad had done. And the Bible says that, that God told through the prophet that he was going to wipe Jerusalem clean like, one, like someone wipes a dish and then turn it upside down and dump it out. It's really interesting. So that, God said, that's what I'm going to do to Jerusalem. And so you know what Manasseh did? He's like, okay, you're, you're right, God, and he repents. So he turns away from all those things. Well, what kind of sort of? Like he, he, he sort of repented, and I think we do that sometimes in our lives. We kind of sort of repent. And so he took all those idols and all of those altars throughout the nation. He took those down, but he didn't get rid of them. He just kind of put them in storage, you know? Like we, we put things in storage. We, we have a garage full of stuff, or we go and uh, rent a storage facility, and we put those things away. And that's what he did. And so he dies, and his son takes over, and his son's name was Amon. And Amon was even worse. Amon only reigned for two years. Uh, he started out when he was 22 years old, and I think he thought he knew everything. You know, we know some 22-year-olds that think they know everything, right? And so, man, this guy, he, he was just a really bad, bad king, and he brought all those things out of storage. He opened up the garage door, brought it all out, and said, man, we're going back to this way because this is, this is the best way. And so they began to worship false gods again. He was such a bad dude that all of his servants turned on him and they killed him in his own house. It was crazy. And then when he died, he left a little eight-year-old boy all by himself. And that guy, that kid became king at eight years old. How many of y'all would like to be king at eight years old? Right? It's kind of crazy. He becomes king at eight years old. And this guy's name is Josiah. We can see um, about Josiah in 2 Chronicles 34 and 35 and in 2 Kings 22 and 23. And he reigned for 31 years. And here's what the Bible says about him. So we're going to be actually jump into uh, chapter 34 of 2 Chronicles. We'll start in verse 2. Here's what it says. Great opening statement about this guy, this kid, Josiah. It says, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, and he walked in the ways of David, his father, and he did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. We've, we've heard that before because his great-grandfather, Hezekiah, 
the Bible says the same thing about him, that he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord at eight years old. And then when he turned 16, instead of getting his first car, here's what the Bible says he did in verse 3. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet a boy, he began to seek the God of David, his father. How amazing is that? At 16 years old, he determined for the rest of his life, he's like, I am going to follow after God. That's, that's what's amazing about youth ministry. That's why youth ministry is so important because usually at that age, when you're young, you make these decisions that are going to determine pretty much the rest of your life. A lot of us have given our lives to the Lord when we were at a young age. or We decided, you know what, I'm going to follow after God at a young age. And that's exactly what Josiah did. But he doesn't end there. Look what, he, look what happens in the rest of uh, verse 3 and on. I'm going to read a little bit here. Here's what it says. So in the, in the 12th year, so he turns 20, okay? When he's 20 years old, he began to, get, get this, he began to purge Judah in Jerusalem, the high places, the ashram and the carved and the metal images. And they chopped down the altars of the bells in his presence, and he cut down the incense altars that stood above them. And he broke in pieces the ashram and the carved and the metal images, and he made dust of them. And he scattered it over the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. And he also burned the bones of the priests on their altars and cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. Man. And in the cities of Manasseh, Ephraim, and Simeon, and as far as Naphtali, in their ruins all around, he broke down the altars and beat the ashram and the images into powder and cut down all the incense altars throughout all the land of Israel. Then he returned to Jerusalem. So here we see the very first thing for today is that Josiah's life is extraordinary because he did this one thing. He refocused his walk with the Lord. So you're taking notes today. That's, that's number one for today. He, that's, what, that's what he did. He refocused his walk with the Lord. He cleaned house. He took all those things that were bad, and he said, you know, I'm getting rid of them. And what's amazing about this is he didn't just, he didn't just like put them in storage, all those things, all those evil and bad things. The Bible says that he pounded them into dust. If you pound something into dust, there's no putting it back together, right? There's no going back. And so the Bible says he, he completely took, got rid of all this clutter, all these things um, in his life and in the, the life of the nation that he was leading. Several uh, years ago, my, my grandmother passed away, and we went to her house, and we were kind of looking through some of the stuff that she had. And we realized really quickly that she was a hoarder. And I don't know if y'all know hoarders, you know. Uh, yeah, maybe you're a hoarder. I'm sorry to offend you, but... But, I mean, she, she kept everything. She's a product of the Great Depression, so just everything had immense value to her. And so she just, in, in all of her closets, in all of her drawers, cabinets, she just kept everything. I remember we went into the garage, and we found, she used to can uh, vegetables in, in jars. And we found this jar of green beans, like way up high at the top. I think it had been forgotten about. And we, we took it down, and it was canned in 1950, okay? And I'm telling you what, it looked good. I didn't eat it. I didn't eat it, okay? I did not eat it. But, man, they still looked good. She kept everything. Now, don't, don't make fun of my grandma, okay, because you do the same thing, okay? We all do the same thing. And maybe it's not in our house, but in our lives, we hoard stuff all the time. And we know we hoard stuff because we value things. And sometimes we hoard sin, we know we need to get rid of it. We know we shouldn't do it. We read the Bible and we're like, man, okay, I get it. I know I'm not supposed to do those things, but we still do those things. Why? We still kind of hold on to those things. Why? Because we find value in it. In some little way, we're like, you know what? I need that thing. 
I need to keep that thing in my life. We find value in it. And that's, that's, that's what the, the nation of Judah did. They're like, you know what, we find value in these things. And Josiah comes in, he takes the, the, the dump truck, and he takes a front-end loader, and he begins to just pile stuff in that thing, and he takes it to the landfill and says, no, we're not doing this anymore. We're not going to live this way anymore. And so I think there's a, this, a, a question that we need to ask ourselves this morning based on what Josiah did right here, and it's this. What needs to go in my life? What needs to go in my life? What are the things that are holding you back? Like, what is, what is the clutter in my life? And maybe it's sin. And so the way we get rid of sin is we go to the Lord. Maybe we can get down on our knees and we just need to go to him in, in repentance and say, God, I'm sorry for what I've done. And, I, and I'm, I'm turning this over to you. But you know what also we need to do? We need to get some accountability. We need to get some people, other believers around us to help us to be able to get over whatever that sin is or those th- that thing is in our life that we know we need to get rid of and we just cannot get rid of it. Over and over and over again, we have a, a tough time getting rid of it. Maybe we need to do that. But you know, sometimes it's, it's idols in our lives. And those idols could be in themselves good things. Maybe it is a comfort, comfortable life. Maybe it's your kids and their success. Uh, maybe it's making a lot of money because, uh, man, you just, you just you want to, to have those things in your life. And, and those things aren't bad in themselves, but when we put them on these pedestals in our lives, that's, that's when sin begins to, to, to reign in our lives. And Josiah, what he did is he actually pounded those things into to dust, into powder. I'm not saying you go and pound your kid into dust, okay? But what you need to do is that pedestal that they're on, you need to take them off that pedestal and pound that pedestal in your life. To dust, And then we need to allow God and say, God, come and reign in my life. You know, uh, when I'm traveling uh, around uh, in, in, in the airports, I love to sit down and watch people. Anybody uh, like, watch, watch, you like to watch people when you're, you know, you're at the airport? It's, it's, a, it's crazy. It's hilarious. You know, you think about where people came from. Everybody's walking around. They got their, their little uh, the, the, the carts, you know, or they, you've seen those ones that, that are they're motorized um, suitcase and you can sit on it. You seen those? And you can just go to the airport like that. I really want one of those for Christmas, just saying. But uh, anyways, um, so they, 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 they're traveling, doing all this stuff, but the funniest people to watch are the ones that are late, you know, like they're about to miss their, their next flight. And the, the best ones are when it's a full family. And so, you mean, the, the parents are running. You can see that they're late because they don't care what kind of fools they're making themselves. They don't care if they hurt somebody or whatever, push somebody over. Man, they're running. They got to get to that, that gate. And, man, they, they, they've got stuff. They're carrying all their luggage. They got kids on both arms. And the little kids, the little kids are, like, running way behind them. And they're trying to catch up. And it's crazy. And, and I laugh at them because I've been there before. Like, we've been on mission trips where we're trying to go overseas. And we're like, hey, our flight leaves um, across the airport, the DFW airport, in like four minutes. So let's go, you know. And so we're just, we're just like booking it and running like a full sprint. Man, it, it's, it's hilarious to watch those people try to get to where they need to go when they have so much baggage, you know. And in our lives, I think there are some things that we need to get rid of. God wants us to not just walk in our lives, but he wants us to run for him. We do great things for him. And you know what? It's really hard to run when you got a ton of baggage. you got all this stuff that you hold dear. Maybe it's sin, maybe it's not, but those things shouldn't be the focus of our lives. God should be. What do we need to get rid of? Well, Josiah, he cleans house, and he gets on a roll, and he does something else, which brings us to number two. 
He restored God's house for worship. He restored God's house for worship. Look what happened in verse 8. It says, now in the 18th year of his reign, so he's 26 years old at this time, when he had cleansed the land and the house, what we just talked about, he sent, and I, and I took this out as, a, as naming a whole bunch of dudes, and I didn't want to make a fool of myself trying to, trying to do, do this up on stage. So he sent a bunch of leaders to repair the house of the Lord his God. So that what they did is they went and collected money. So a lot of it was stored at the temple. They went and got all that money, and they realized, you know what, we got nothing savings to, to fix up all the things that are broken um, in the temple. And so they gathered all this together, and then in verse 11, it says that they gave it to the carpenters and the builders to buy quarried stone and timber for binders and beams for the buildings that the kings of Judah had, left, had let go to ruin. And men did the work faithfully. What happened is the, the temple was in bad shape. I mean, it was so bad, like just changing the carpet wasn't going to do it or putting, you know, a fresh coat of paint on the walls wasn't going to do it. And we know it because look what they went and bought. They went down to Home Depot and they got like new stone, okay, big quarried stone, and they got giant beams because the temple, like you couldn't even go in it. I mean, it was closed. It had, it had been let go and let left just, to, just to, to nature to take over. It was in bad, bad shape. It was unusable. You know what the Bible says in, in 1 Corinthians? Um, so in the Old Testament, if you flip to the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, says in verse 16, says, Do you not know that you are God's temple? And that God's spirit dwells in you. So in the Old Testament, the, the, the temple is where God resided. And we see here that, man, it was in bad shape. Like, I mean, that's not a place where you'd want your God to come and, and have as a home. I mean, it was, it was in ruins. But then when Jesus came and he died a perfect death on our behalf and he rose from the grave and then he sent the Holy Spirit to come live inside of us, the Bible says here in 1 Corinthians that, that the temple is no longer in Jerusalem where God resides. The temple is in our hearts. So here's a question that we need to ask ourselves. Is my heart a place of worship? Your heart is where God lives. It's supposed to be a place of worship. You know, maybe our hearts have been neglected for too long. Like that fixer-upper show, right? Chip and Joanna, maybe Chip and Joanna and you come in and, and kind of fix up your heart, right? But maybe your heart doesn't need just a, a renovation. Maybe your heart needs like a restoration. You need to go in and you need to gut that thing all the way down to the foundation and just the two-by-fours and the studs on the wall. And you need to go to God and say, God, I need a clean house. I need a, a fresh new start in my heart. I need you to help me build this place up. And when we go to God and ask him to do things that are in his will, you know what happens? He shows up and he does it. It's amazing what he does. But we need to look at our hearts and say, you know what? Is my heart a place of worship? Is it a place that I have reserved for God to live? Or is it full of so much stuff and in such bad shape that God is not there? See, this is what Josiah did with the temple. But he did something else that was really, really amazing. Something happened. When he cleaned house of the temple, 
something crazy happened. Here it is. Number three, he, rediscover, he rediscovered a love for the word. Look in verse 14. It says that, said that while they were bringing out the money that had been brought into the house of the Lord, Hilkiah, the priest, he found the book of the law of the Lord given through Moses. So the temple is in such bad shape, and there is so much junk in the temple that they had lost the most precious thing in the temple. They lost God's word. And they actually found it. It's, it's kind of crazy. I, I lose stuff all the time. Yeah, I, I'm a typical guy, so I lose my wallet and my keys all the time. And I know, I know, because I, I should have a place in my house that, you know, where I can buy my my front door, I can put my, my keys, my wallets, I can always know where it is. But man, I lose it all the time. If I'm ever late to something, you know it's because I'm running around my house trying to find my wallet and my keys. We lose stuff all the time. And that's what happened to them. They lost God's word. What's crazy is, is we think that they, they actually lost a part of Deuteronomy. So that they, they, they stopped reading it because they didn't have it anymore. And don't, don't, laugh at them because if you go to our lost and found, you know what's in our lost and found? A whole bunch of Bibles, okay? A whole bunch of Bibles that people lost or didn't even realize that um, you didn't have anymore. <clears throat> we do that as well. But here's what verse 19 says. Skip down a little bit. When they found God's word, here's what happened. When the king heard the words of the law, he tore his clothes. What does it mean to tear your clothes? It didn't mean that he wanted new clothes, okay? So, you know, like my kids might do that. You know, like, oh, these pants are not good anymore. So just rip them a little bit. Dad, I need new clothes. Like, that's not what he was doing. He, he tore his clothes because in the Old Testament, that was a way of, of showing, like, complete repentance. You would sit down, put uh, sackcloth on and ashes, and you would tear your clothes. Just show God, God, I am completely and utterly destroyed. Man, I'm so, so sorry for what I have done. Why did he do that when he, when he heard or when he read the law? I think it's because he might have read a couple of these verses. Like I said, like I mentioned earlier, he, he, they lost Deuteronomy or part of Deuteronomy. Maybe he read this verse, Deuteronomy 6, 5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And that wrecked him. Or maybe it was Deuteronomy 18, 9. It was really personal to them. Here's what it said. When you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominable practices of those nations. That speaks to them, doesn't it? Because that's exactly what they were doing, right? And all of a sudden he reads this and he's like, oh my goodness. I, I can't believe we were doing that. And he tears his clothes. You know what it was? It was like, it's like a gut punch, you know? You know what it is? You've ever read God's word? And you're like, ugh. You know? That's conviction. The Holy Spirit working inside of you through God's word to convict you of your sin. And this is what happens when someone, this is what God's word does when someone reads it. But not just reads it, but actually is convicted and does what it says to do. So here's a final question I think we need to maybe sit in or sit on for just a, a little bit. And it's this. When was the last time God spoke to you? I'm not talking about like an audible voice. Maybe that's happened, maybe it hadn't. But I'm talking about through his word. When was the last time that God really spoke to you through his word?
Sometimes it's based on how we view Scripture. Do we see Scripture as, as like just a textbook, as something to, to try to learn things in? Or do we see it as, as a love letter from God to us? Do we see Scripture as just a source of information where we can gain knowledge? Or do we see it as a, a source of life? And for some of us in this room, we used to love God's Word, but we've fallen away from that. We used to run to his word, and we used to be convicted by it, and we used to change who we are, and we don't do that anymore. You know what we need to do? We may need to spiritually tear our clothes and say, God, I'm sorry. I want to start new. God, give me a love again for your word. And for some of this room, maybe we've never, like, you've, you've never had a, a love for God's word. You've never, you've never known God to speak through you or to you through his word. So here's, here's what my encouragement to you would be. Just, just try it. That's how confident I am. If you would just try it, if you just go to the Bible and open it up, maybe say a prayer like, God, please, please teach me something. And then just begin to read it. The Bible makes some promises, some big promises. And one of them is that it will never return void, right? Every time we read it, God will teach us and help us and speak to us. That's, that's 100% guarantee. Like, if you were going to invest your time in anything, man, invest your time in God's word. Because the Bible says it will not return void. And so let me just kind of sum up and, and, and look at Josiah's life and some questions that we can gain from that. So if I, if I was to go back and just to begin again to, to look at that, we might need to ask ourselves these questions. What needs to go in our lives? Right? What needs to go in our lives? What is the clutter that we need to get out that's keeping us from seeing God and running towards God? And is your heart a place of worship? Maybe you need to fix that. Maybe you need to go to God and say, God, I'm partnering with you. I need you to help me to take those things that may be on these giant pedestals in my life and my, my affection is towards those things. Maybe they're good, maybe they're sin, maybe they're bad, but God, they're in the wrong place. And God, I want you to be the center of my heart and I wanna worship you. you the, my heart is, should be your home and your place of worship. Maybe we need to change what's going on inside of our heart. And finally, maybe we need to listen to God. When was the last time God spoke to you? Maybe we need to recommit our lives as a church, as a family, and you personally recommitting our lives to following after and reading God's word. And I know there's some, might be some of us in this room who would say, you know, I've never heard God speak. I've never been convicted. Maybe God never has spoken to you. But the Bible says Ultimately, that Jesus, the one, the one we've been singing to and singing about for the last 35, 40 minutes, he is actually the word. Meaning he is how God speaks to us and shows us and reveals himself to us. And the truth is, is that God sent Jesus to die for you. To rise from the grave. To take sin upon himself on your behalf be that perfect, that perfect sacrifice. And maybe you need to give your life to the Lord today. Saying, God, I, I feel like maybe you're speaking to me a little bit. And here's the trick. When you hear God speak, don't wait. When we hear God speak and we wait, we miss our opportunity. 
So I want to give everybody an opportunity to be able to respond to God today. Would you stand with me for, for a few moments? As we finish, as we conclude um, our service today, man, how is God speaking to you? Maybe you need to give your life to the Lord. Maybe Jesus needs to become number one in your life. Man, if you'd like to do that, we have a connection room over here. We have pastors that would love to, to sit down and talk with you and answer any questions you may have. Maybe it's time and God is saying, you know what, as a family, we need to join this church. We need to be a part of this group. And, and you've been putting it off and putting it off. I mean, if God's speaking to you, it's not about us. It's about him and you and your relationship with God. Maybe God is calling you to be a part of Central. Man, you can go over there and, and uh, talk to one of our staff. They would love to walk you through what, what it means and looks like to become a part of Central. Man, maybe you need to come down here to the front and just uh, spend a few moments as we sing a, a final song. Uh, you need to just talk to God and say, God, I'm in a bad place. There's sin in my life that's just taking over. My heart's in a bad spot. I'm not, I'm not hearing from you anymore, God. I want to be like Josiah. I want to be different. Everybody's going this way, and I want to be different. I want to go this way. Whatever God is convicting you and calling you to do, man, don't wait. Move. As we pray, as we sing, whatever God's calling you to do, you do that right now. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this story of Josiah. What, a, what an amazing young man who decided a long time ago in a young age that he was going to live for you to go against the grain. What a, what a great example it is for us. And God, we confess that sometimes we don't, we don't have a right heart for you. Your heart, our heart's not a place for you to dwell and for us to worship you. We need to clean it out. We need to, to, to make it right. And some, 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 there's some things in our lives that need to go. There's a lot of clutter. There's sin. There's things that have our attention and our affection. And they need to be pushed aside, put in the rightful place. And we, we need to put you, God, in the right place, the center of our attention, the center of our hearts. And God, maybe we've lost your word. We've misplaced it. It's in the lost and found somewhere. And it's been a long time since we've, we've come to you and asked for you to speak to us and to read um, and to dwell on scripture. God, give us a new burning passion for your word. And God, show up when we read it. We trust you that you're gonna do that. And maybe someone here in this room, God, that doesn't know you, has never heard from you. And maybe you're speaking to them right now to give their lives to Christ and to find a new purpose in life. God, whatever you're calling us to do, I pray that as we sing, that you'd help us to respond right now. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.